Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. How many of you have been to the Stampede? Anyone yet? Stampede, Stampede. Oh, Vince laughs at all these people. Who's laughing now? <laughs> we went to the Stampede breakfast yesterday at Chinook Mall, and I think it was the best pancake I've ever had. Honestly, it was incredible. Yeah, and I wrapped it in sausage, and the guy gave me extra sausage, and I smothered it in syrup, and I just told my wife today, I'm throwing our diet out the window, and I'm going to do what I want because it's, it's a stampede. And she didn't talk to me for four hours. No. I'm just kidding. No, three hours. No, well, I, we just went crazy, and then I thought, well, lunchtime came, and I thought, well, since I already had a pancake, I might as well eat a shawarma. <laughs> and then it went downhill from there, guys. I'm just uh, make, I'm making some early confessions for my summer, my wife wanted to have a 30-day done a diet, and it's just not, I didn't do well. I just didn't do good. So. But, you know, this body, it just comes naturally. It's a gift. So I want you to know that all those swarmas I eat just contributes to my uh, beautiful, incredible physique. Fantastic. Well, we're going to get into the Word today. We're going to start a series, an eight-week series on the life of Joseph. If you're here today, and maybe you're new to church or new to the Lord, new to God or new to, new to the Bible, things like that. Um, the Joseph is a character in the Bible in the book of Genesis. And uh, what we're going to do is we're basically going to walk through his life for eight weeks and look at the different stages of his life. Today, we're going to spend some time kind of laying a little bit of a foundation for the next eight weeks. And I just encourage you, bring someone with you this summer. Bring a friend, bring a family member, people who are far from God. Bring them on Sunday, and we're just trying to create an environment, continually try to create an environment as we go into the fall, just to be a place where people far from God can come, as well as those who are followers of Jesus, and do both really well. And providing an atmosphere where people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, as well as experience the presence of Jesus, and uh, they can learn about who God is. We want people to experience Jesus Christ in a powerful way, and I believe that they can do that here. So I'm going to get into this message here today, Joseph, the life led by God. And what we're going to do is we're going to start off by reading a verse, uh, just a cha- uh, uh, two verses in chapter 37 of, uh, of the book of Genesis. And, um, you know, the reality is that Joseph was a man who loved God, yet his life took some incredibly challenging and unfair turns. And through it all, Joseph served those around him and was led by God's Spirit. He, he continued to be a man of integrity. Joseph was 17 years old, and he did not see the fulfillment of the dream for 23 years. And what I want to talk to you about today is we're going to look at Joseph's dream today, and we're going to pull out three different things that God wants to work in you so that he can fulfill his dream through you. So three things we learn from, uh, from Joseph's dream that, that God wants to work in you so that you can see God's dream fulfilled through you. And so we'll look at Genesis 37 here. Genesis 37, we're going to read verse 1 and 2 today. Jacob lived in the land where his father stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, there's something we need to know really early on about Joseph. Joseph was a 17-year-old, 17, 17 uh, and he was um, a little bit entitled. 
He was a little bit of a tattletales. We see he was out in the field with his brothers and his brothers were goofing around. And so he literally ran home and told on his brothers when they were uh, out causing trouble in the field. Jo Joseph was just a 17-year-old young guy and his life, his, uh, his, his family life was something that Dr. Phil would love. It was a Dr. Phil dream come true. Joseph's life was such a unique dynamic. He was the youngest of 10 older brothers. 10 of those older brothers all came from three different moms. Joseph's uh, family had four, Jacob's dad had, or Joseph's dad had four different wives. Nine of them came from different people. So we see that we have uh, Billah had Dan and Naphtali and Zilpah and Leah and Rachel. And Rachel gave birth to Joseph. And Joseph uh, was, uh, was Jacob's favorite, favorite child. It says that in verse uh, 3 to 4 in, in the scripture that's going to pop up any second. There we go. Now Israel loved Joseph more. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He made an ornate or a colorful robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Jacob received this, gave his son this, this incredible colorful robe as a way to show everyone else that he was his favorite. So here, out of nine older brothers from three different moms, Rachel gave birth to Joseph, and Joseph was Jacob's favorite child, which is really, really interesting because Jacob's father did the exact same thing to him. When Jacob grew up, his father, uh, he was born to a, as a twin, his brother Esau. Jacob and Esau were born to Isaac, and Isaac uh, loved Esau. And Jacob spent his entire life trying to gain his natural father's approval. So much so that he dressed up in, a, uh, in, in goat's clothing because he wanted his dad just to pray for him. He dressed up in goat's clothing because Esau, his name, he was a very hairy man, hair all over his body, and his hair was completely red. So he was called uh, uh, Harry Red. That was his nickname, Harry Red. And so he walked around, and he had tons of hair, and he was red, and he, uh, Joseph, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob went in and put on this outfit, uh, dressed like a goat, went in to see his father, and he just wanted his father's approval. Jacob spent his entire life trying to figure out this whole issue with the fact that his dad did not love him as much as he loved his son Esau. And now Jacob is doing the same thing to his children. He carried on this parental thing right into his family. And Joseph was this favorite child and it caused a lot of problems in their life. Joseph never had any real challenging times. Joseph wore this coat all around the place. He was basically given special assignments by his father. And really, Jacob, uh, Jacob loved his, his wife, Rachel, Joseph's mom. He loved her so much. And he loved her so much that when he was, um, first met Rachel, he met her by this well, and he fell madly in love with her, so much so that he was willing to work for seven years for uh, his, her father in order to, to marry Rachel. And so he worked for seven years as hard as he could. And finally the day came where their wedding day was there. They were about to go on their honeymoon. They had a great party. They danced. They had a great time. Everybody was there. And finally, uh, Jacob went into the tent to be with his beautiful wife Rachel and he consummated their marriage and he woke up the next morning and realized it was his older her older sister Leah 
laying next to his sister-in-law, he realized he had consummated the marriage of her older sister, Leah. And he went out of the tent and said, what the heck's going on? He said, you can't marry the younger before the older. You have to marry Leah first. Didn't I tell you that? Oh, I'm sorry. Now you have to work seven more years. And so here Jacob worked 14 years to take the hand of his beautiful wife, Rachel. So now Jacob married both Leah and Rachel. He loved Rachel so much. So when he gave birth to Joseph, Joseph was this special, special son. Joseph had a little bit of entitlement because of this. He didn't experience any hardship, didn't experience any challenges. He had everything that he needed in life. He was blessed. He wore this beautiful robe. I'd love one of you to wear that to church one day. This beautiful robe, and he was just a special, special And then one day, when he was 17-year-old, God gave him a dream. It says, Joseph had a dream. I want to start with this today and lay the foundation, something very important that you must understand, that 17 years old, God gave Joseph a dream. You need to know something, that God has a dream for your life. In the same way that God gave Joseph a snapshot for his life, a snapshot for what he wanted from him. I need you to understand today that as a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants to give you a snapshot of your future. He wants to give you glimpses and he wants to give you dreams. God has a dream for your life. God has a plan for your life. I want you to hear that today. If you're here today, maybe feeling discouraged in your journey with God or discouraged on your journey of life, you need to know today that God has a dream for you and he's just waiting to reveal this dream to you. He wants to give you a snapshot of your future. He wants to speak life into your spirit and life into your mind and life into your heart to remind you that your life is not just menial or a waste. There is a purpose and there is a destiny and there is a plan and there is a dream for your life. You've read these scriptures before, but look at this one in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. The plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. This is what is meant by the scriptures which say that no mere man has ever seen, heard, or even imagined what wonderful things that God has ready for those who love the Lord. You need to understand something, that this dream was given to Joseph. And 23 years later, this dream was fulfilled in Genesis 41, 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh the king. Joseph went through a long season. We'll talk about it over the next eight weeks, but he, he went into a pit and then he went into Potiphar's house serving as a man. He was accused of rape and thrown into jail. Uh, when he didn't rape anybody, he was thrown in jail. And finally, out of nowhere, after 23 years, God came and remembered Joseph and brought him to the place where he was now the second in command of the most powerful nation in the entire world. And Joseph would go on to save millions and millions and millions of people's lives all because God gave him a dream. You don't understand or even fathom with your mind the incredible ability and call of God in your life, the the hundreds and thousands, if not millions of people that God wants to impact through your life. It's not just about you today. It's about the thousands of people that God wants to to impact because of you. He 
puts a dream on your heart, you need to know that today, that your life is not just about your job. Your life's not just about going to school. It's not just about getting a career. God has a dream and a plan for you that's beyond your understanding and beyond your imagination. It's something bigger than yourself, something bigger than you can imagine. And I want to speak this faith into you today to begin to believe that there's more for you. There's more for you. You're not just a dental hygienist. You're not just going to missions. You're not just working down the street. You're not just going to school. You're not just a teacher's assistant. There is a call of God in your life to do something significant in the kingdom of God, to reach many for God's kingdom. Many millions and thousands of people could be impacted by the dream he wants to put in your heart. A snapshot for something great. It might take 23 years. It might take a pit. It might take a prison. And I hate to say it to you today, but it does take that. Every dream of God requires a season of working things out in your life. And I'm on that journey in my own life and have been for a long time. And definitely I'm not in the the palace yet. (laughs) I'm not sure which season I'm in, guys. Monday was a pit day. (laughs) Yesterday was a prison. It's because I was home all day. I'm just kidding. There's a season God wants to take us through. And today I want to talk about three things that God wants to work in you so that he can work his dream through you. Notice I say his dream and not your dream. God's dream puts you on a path and prepares you to be able to handle the destiny. Let's read the the dream here today. Genesis 37, 5 and 8. Joseph had a dream, and when he told told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Well, that's a good start. Going to be intimate with your family. Ever had that before? Go to share a thought with your family. I know I have or a friend, and they just like throw cold water on you. And you're just like, oh, I was hoping you'd be more happy about my dream. So that's a discouraging start. He said to them, listen to them, this dream I had, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Little punk. Will you actually rule us? Cute coat. And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream. He told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. He said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Three things here today. The first thing I'm going to give you is this. Three things God will work on us in order for us to see his dream fulfilled through us. Motivation. The right reason. Your dream is not about you. The dream God gives us is not about us. It's not about our fulfillment. It's not about our future. It's not about our success. The dream God gives you is about something so much bigger. It's interesting to me that God, when God gave uh, Joseph this dream, God did not give Joseph the dream about who he would help. God didn't tell Joseph, Joseph uh, gave him a dream and said, you're going to help thousands and millions of people. 
He didn't identify that he's going to be working with food and, and, and creating a, a seven-year savings plan so that they could save up for the famine that was coming. That's what happened is a famine was coming and God spoke to Joseph and so he said, let's save for seven years and then the seven years of famine will have more than enough. God didn't talk about that in the dream. He only talked about the dream that, that Joseph actually remembered. Maybe God actually gave him more in the dream. But all Joseph remembered was the fact that his brothers and his mom and dad were bowing down before him. I think this was very intentional of God. I think that Joseph, in his mind, when he articulated the dream that God gave him, this is what he remembered. Because let's be honest for a minute, Joseph is only 17 years old. A 17-year-old doesn't have a framework to be thinking about his future when he's 30 years old. I know I did, not I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, all I was thinking about was the girl I liked for three years and when my acne was going to go away. And I was hated on the fact that she just kept calling me her best friend. That was the worst. That's all I was thinking about. We don't have the framework as a young person to understand what that might mean for our lives, generally because our motivation is not focused on what God's focused on. Often our motivation, our framework, our cloud of view is really on our own ambition and motivation. So just to be clear and up front, Joseph had to learn some things. And God had to work on this framework. God had to work on his perspective. God had to work on his motivation and make sure that he's doing this for the right reason. When I was 17 years old, I was pulled up in a church service in front of 2,000 people. A guy brought me up up front. He was, uh, had a gift for being able to hear things from God and really hear God's voice and in, the, in, in Christian terms, it's a prophet. It was a man, he pulled me up in front of the entire church. And I hear I am the 17-year-old kid, pimples on my face, <laughs> you know. And I walked up, and he laid his hand on my head, and he says, you'll be known in the days that lie ahead as an emerging apostle. You're going to cause churches to be raised up, and leaders to, be, uh, leaders to be raised up, and churches to be planted all across the world. I will shoot you like an arrow was sent into the hearts of men all across the world. Now, when I heard that word, something in me, all I could think about was me traveling around the world. That's what I picked up out of that message. I'm going to be pretty, pretty well known, guys. You'll know me on all the podcasts. Everyone's going to read my book. I'm going to be the best preacher on the planet. There'll be no other speakers. It'll just be me. Instantly, when I heard that as a 17-year-old young man, I did not have the capacity, the experience, the challenge in my life to be able to work through the framework of the trials and tribulations that that call would require. When God has a call in your life, he needs to work on your motivation to make sure that when you start to move toward the things of God for your life, that you're doing it for the right reasons. He wants to make sure that your motivation and your heart is focused on the right things. I don't think that Joseph could quite process this. I've talked about this next thought a lot, so pardon me for repeating it, but I just think it's a good thought, the difference between imagination and faith. When you and I have imagination, I've been able to articulate it even clearer as I've thought about this. And imagination, when we have imagination, it's often when you and I see something that we desire or want with our lives. And it's not necessarily something God gives us. It's something we see elsewhere. We like what it is. We want to emulate that. So we wrap God and faith around it and we start moving our lives towards what we fabricated in our imagination. 
Faith is what something that already exists in the mind of God, meaning when God gives you a dream, you realize it's not about me. This dream is about the people I'm going to help. This dream is about the people whose lives are going to be changed. This dream is about bringing glory and honor to God. This dream has nothing to do with me. That is a faith dream. An imagination dream often has to do with your own personal fulfillment. And that's why Joseph here was being worked on because he was a young man and God wants to get this motivation out of us. Now I want to give you what I think God's dream is for all of us, what I think God's heart is for us. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were pleading with you, receive the love he offers you, be reconciled to God. I believe the dream of God for every follower of Jesus Christ on the planet is to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We see here in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Okay, the second one here today that we see from this scripture is humility, the right, the right perspective. Your dream, your dream is given and accomplished by God. I believe that God also gave him this dream where he didn't see any of the benefits, but he really saw these people bowing down before him because God was just trying to weed out to make sure that he had the right perspective. When he shared this dream with his brothers and his father, it did not go well. I found this very interesting because actually Joseph did not interpret the dream. Joseph did not say, come in the room and say, hey, guess what, guys? I had a dream that you're going to bow down before me. It was crazy. And guess what? I want you to start bowing down before me now. This is going to be reality. You need to start doing the dishes. You need to start doing all my chores. Like, I need you guys all to make me a coat of colors. Like, this is what I need from you. He didn't come in the room and say to them, this is what I think the dream means. The, the brothers and the father interpreted the dream for Joseph. Why would they have done that? Why would his father rebuke him and say, why did you dream this dream like Joseph went to bed and thought I'm gonna dream this dream that's not even a possibility why did they say that because I believe that Joseph had a little bit of entitlement he was sometimes had he acted out in a certain way or he spoke a certain way and he didn't even realize that he was being a bit prideful and the reason is, is because he hadn't experienced anything. He was a young guy. He hadn't lived any experience of life. His father favored him greatly. He grew up in a, a home that loved God. He never experienced any hardship. He always had nice things. Things were always good. And so without even realizing, without even knowing it, not even Joseph's fault, he struggled with pride in his heart. I remember a few years ago when I was in Bible college, I was a freshman. I was in grade, I was the uh, first year student. And a senior, a fourth-year student, we were doing this thing at a chapel. It was the last chapel of the year. And what they do is they do a breaking bread service. If you don't know what that is, that means what you would do is you'd have a loaf of bread, and I would take off a loaf of bread, and I would give it to Joel because I had an issue with him, which I need to do this right now, Joel. Because <laughs> you have an issue with him, and so or her. And what you would do is you would break bread with one another, and you would reconcile with one another. You'd say, hey, I'm sorry, and you'd work through it together. So I walked up to this guy, and he, he came up to me, and he was a man I really respected and still respect to this day. He's an incredible missionary in China and building an incredible church over in Japan over in there. And anyways, he came up to me and said, I said, hey, 
uh, you know, he goes, can I break bread with you? I said, yeah, I want you to know I respect you and I love you and you're just a wonderful man. And he says, that's awesome, thank you. He goes, he gives me a piece of bread and says, I need to ask you to forgive me. I said, why? He goes, because you're very prideful. I said, I don't think you know how this works. <laughs> I'm missing the point here. He says, you're very prideful and entitled and I don't like you for that. Now guys, I had no idea. I had no even concept. It was like, I thought I was like, it was foreign, he was speaking Spanish to me. I was like, like, what? You think I'm prideful? You think I'm entitled? Like, really? What? Me? He saw something in me that I didn't even see. And I want to say this. I don't even think it was my fault. I don't even think it was like I set out and woke up that day and thought, I'm going to be an arrogant jerk. I'm going to walk around with a silver spoon in my mouth and act like I'm something and walk like this, you know, all through the campus. I, like, I, I didn't even set out to do it, but I didn't even realize that there was some sort of arrogant pride in my life. I didn't even see it. And what I think God is trying to show Joseph here is he's trying to show this, this young guy is that, Joseph, you might not even see it, but I've given you a dream, but you've wrapped pride around it. You've made it about you. You've made it about your life. You've made it about your heart. You've made it about your future. You've made it about what's going to happen to you. And I think that God may have given him this dream because he wanted to root out the area of pride in his life. Now, what got Joseph in trouble? What about this would make me think that? What did Joseph do to put him in a position for his brothers to assume that he was prideful? He told them the dream. He spoke. I find sometimes, I'm just being really vulnerable today. I find sometimes that I'll walk into a room and I'm feeling really insecure that I have this need to talk. Anyone ever felt that before? Sitting in a room and you just feel really insecure about yourself, about what you're doing, and you're just like, yeah, and you just kind of put yourself out there. I just find that in me there's this insecurity that I have to use words to show you that I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like people are always asking, have you ever had someone come up to you at your job and say, how's your job? It's really not going well. How's your job going? You're like, oh man, it, well, I'm killing it. <laughs> Business is hot. And you're like suffering and about to lose your house. And we do that because there's something in our heart. We wrap our life in the dream of God and the call of God. We wrap pride around it. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 12, 33. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. This is kind of a picture for you of what it could look like. And in the center of your mouth speaks uh, your heart, but your heart is wrapped in pride. The dream is wrapped in pride. The, the future is wrapped in pride. What you want God to do is wrapped in pride. And you might not even realize this when you talk. You might not even understand this. It's coming from a place of insecurity or coming from a place of, of hurt or pain or you don't like the fact that you're not quite there yet or you feel like I deserve to be in that position. Why am I here when I should be where that person is? Why am I here when this thing's happening? Why, why am I not as successful as I wanted to be at this age or whatever it might be? we wrap our heart around pride wraps around our heart and when we speak we don't even realize it this is my encouragement to you today from Proverbs chapter 10 19 we'll say it perfectly in the multitude of words sin is not lacking but he who restrains his lips is wise what Joseph could have done 
Because he could have gone up to his dad and said, hey, dad, can I talk to you? Man, I had this really crazy dream last night, and I know it's going to sound maybe prideful, or it's going to sound like, I, don't, I just don't understand. Can you help me understand what this means? I had a dream, and this, this, this didn't happen. Dad, would you tell me what that means to you? Instead, he walked in and said, hey, guys, guess what? I had a dream last night, and you all going to bow down before me. He didn't mean to be prideful, but he was being very prideful. I encourage you today, when you think about God's call in your life, when you think about the things that you're aspiring towards, when you're thinking about your career and your future ministry and all the things that God wants for you, when you're thinking about that, stop your tongue from boasting because really it comes from a place of pride. And listen to me, you won't be able to fulfill the dream God has for you until you can learn the ability to be humble and have the right perspective. It's almost like a curb. It's almost like it's holding us back. I know it holds me back, guys. I know it holds me, all these three things holds me back. And you're being held back and the dream's right there. And you say, why can't I get it? It's because there's still some pride in your heart. It's because your motivation's off a little bit. Listen, it's okay. Just submit to the journey. Just yield to the season. Just come under the difficulty. And guess what? God will bless you. We'll get to that to the end. God wants to give you grace and favor in your life. The third thing here today, very quickly, is Identity. Three things God will work on us in order to see his dream fulfilled through us is our identity, the right source. Your dream is not your identity. What you have in your heart for your future is not your identity. This is something that in North America, in America, in Canada is a big deal for us. We often wrap where we're going in our life and make that our identity. So if we're never there, if we never accomplish it, if we never get there, if we never get the promotion, if we never have the child, if we never get that ministry, if we never arrive there, we're always feeling like we are not good enough. You're always feeling like I'm just not smart enough. I'm just not good enough. I just am not uh, holy enough. I don't pray enough. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't exercise enough. I eat too many donuts. I, sorry, that was just my part. We get to a place in life where you look at where you want God to take you and the chasm, the 23-year distance between 17 and 30, and you say, I want to be there so badly your identity is wrapped up in where God is taking you when your identity should be wrapped up in the source of the dream, the giver of the dream, Jesus Christ. Your dream isn't your identity. Joseph's dream could potentially have been his identity. Where this stems from, as I referred to already, is insecurity. Insecurity because we aren't what we want to be, but we want others to treat us like we are. Insecurity because we often feel we deserve it, but it isn't our time yet, so it frustrates us. Insecurity because we find more fulfillment for what we could be than from who we are right now. What's really ironic about this story, as we come to a close here this morning, what's really ironic about what I'm sharing with you right now is that Joseph's father, Jacob, struggled deeply with identity. I already shared his issue with his father. He was spending his entire life trying to just prove to his natural dad that, Dad, I'm worth loving. Dad, I can be your favorite too. Dad, I can do all these things until one day. Joseph was an older man. He had a whole family. He brought his entire uh, family across towards uh, where they were going on their journey. He sent them to the next hotel. He went back to the, his house, sat in his house, and the Bible says Jacob sat alone with 
with God. And it says in the Bible that an angel, theologians believe this was called a theophany. This was Jesus uh, potentially in present form, in body form. He came down and he had this wrestling moment with this angel, wrestling back and forth and back and forth, wrestling with Jacob thinking, man, God, I want to be something in my life and I want to be successful and I need reconciliation with my brother and I want to be all the things that God's called me to be, but I'm just not there yet. I just don't like who I am. I don't like where I'm going. I don't like the things I do. I don't like the place I'm at. I'm so frustrated, God. And finally, the angel said to him, let me go for daybreak is coming. And Jacob said to him, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless my life. And he asked him a very simple question. He asked him this question in the scripture, and I love how it says it. He said in verse 27, what is your name? And in shock of realization, whispering, he said, Jacob, supplanter, schemer, trickster, swindler. And the angel said, your name shall not be called Jacob, but Israel. So we have to understand something that we cannot live in a place of our lives where we say, man, I really want to be in Israel. God's saying, no, you're in Israel now. I really want to be successful in, in business and bless people. Listen, you're successful now. Man, I really want to be a good husband. Listen, you're, you're, you're doing fine now. Like where God has you right now is where he wants you. If he wanted you there, you'd be there. He wants you right here. And he wants you to understand that the source of your life, the source of your happiness, the source of your fulfillment, the source of your joy does not come from that dream because trust me, you're going to get into the palace. You're going to be second in command. You're going to be helping millions of people. And if Jesus is not your source, you're going to feel empty and lonely and broken and discouraged because Jesus was not your source in the first place. You might make that million you might build that business. You might have that child. You might do that thing. But if Jesus Christ is not continually your source and you do not find your identity in him, you will be just as broken and upset and frustrated and irritated when you were 17 years old. Look at this scripture. I love this scripture in Psalms 16. My, probably my favorite verse in the Bible. Maybe, maybe, maybe. There's a lot of them. Psalm 16, 5. The Lord himself is my inheritance. The Lord himself is my prize. He's my food. He's my drink. The Lord himself is my highest joy. Lord, you're my highest joy. God, not what I'm going to be, not where I want to go, the frustration. I get it, the frustration of what you see for yourself. You need to calm down and realize Jesus sees you just the way you are. And he says, son and daughter, you are, you are great. You're doing awesome. Come on. Son, I love you. You're doing such a good job. I know you made some mistakes. I know you may have, quote unquote, failed that test. But listen, you get to take this test over and over and over again. It's like my driving test. You just get to keep taking it over and over and over. God doesn't put an F at the top of your paper. He doesn't take the test that you did and you screwed up that relationship or man, I didn't do well on that job or man, I didn't handle that well. So it looks like, no, listen, it's okay. Chill out. God doesn't take your test and say, F, you're done. He says, no, here, son, take it again. It's okay. Just take it again. Remember the lessons you learned and take it again. 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 Here you go. Take it again. It's okay. Take it again. It's okay. I love you. You're okay. Don't worry. You're all right. Take it again. That's what God wants to do for our lives. And look at this verse in, 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 in uh, James chapter 4, verse 6. And this will be our last verse today. But he gives us more grace. That, that's why scripture says, look at this. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. We'll learn in the next eight weeks, all throughout Joseph's life, when Joseph was in the pit, when Joseph was in the prison, 
When Joseph was in Potiphar's house being accused of sexually mis- uh, sexual misconduct against his boss's wife, all throughout those scriptures, you will see, and we'll read them in the next eight weeks, God showed favor on Joseph, knowing that Joseph had some pride issues, Joseph had some entitlement issues, Joseph had some areas of motivation that were off, Joseph wasn't quite finding his source in God. God continually came and said, it's okay, son, I'm gonna give you strength. I'm gonna give you favor. I'm gonna pour my grace out on you. Uh, it's okay, try again. Come on, keep going. Yeah, you screwed up last night. You saw that thing. You said that thing. You acted like that. Hey, it's okay. Come on, let's do it again. More grace, more grace more grace, more grace, more favor, more favor, more favor. Guess what? God wants to bless you when you're at your worst. You think you do better and God says, okay, now I'm going to bless you. God loves you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He wants to bless your business. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your life. He wants to bless the season of life you're in. God loves to bless his sons and his daughters, not just because you passed the test, but because he loves you. He wants to work something into our lives. It's just as people. He wants to work on our motivation, make sure that we're here for the right reason. He wants, he wants to work on, on, our, on our humility to make sure that we have the right perspective. And he wants us to work on our identity and make sure that Jesus Christ is the source is the objective, is the prize, is the end of the high calling. Everything I do in my life, everything I do, every step I take, every job I live, every relationship I am is all about Jesus Christ. I believe that he's going to see fulfillment in your life. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to worship just for a few moments here today. Would you bow your heads for a moment? I want to pray. Close your eyes if you could. Father, I just pray right now for the, everyone in this room, God. For, firstly, Lord, I always want to pray, Lord, for anyone in the room who doesn't know you. Maybe they're here today and they've never been to church or they hear the things we're saying today, God, and it doesn't all make sense, but Lord, we know some things could happen. And I pray right now for those, God, who are far from you, but here today, that Lord, that, that you love them deeply and that you want to give them a snapshot for their future and that you want to bless their lives and you want to fill their hearts. But I pray today, Lord, as we worship today, that they would sense your presence. Lord, for those in the room today, God, who maybe are followers of you, and Lord, one of these three areas are struggling, and maybe their motivation's off, and it's really about them. Maybe, Lord, they, they have a bit of, a, of entitlement or pride kind of in their heart and mind, God, and it's been struggling. Maybe, God, their source has not been you, but in what they want to do or be. I pray today, God, as we end our time, with a response of worship, that you would come, Lord, and you would just help, just bring grace. Lord, just bring a buffer. Just bring grace, Lord. Help us know that it's going to be okay. That this season's going to be all right. You're going to make it through this season. I know it's hard. I know the pit is hard. I know the prison's hard. I know that it's challenging. I know it. I know it's hard. I know that that sickness is difficult. I know that that relationship's falling apart. I know that your job isn't what you thought it would be. It's okay. The season will come to an end. This too shall pass. There's joy in the morning. There's hope at the end of the tunnel. Don't worry. You're going to get there. Come on, don't worry. You've got just a, just a few more seasons. Come on, take the test again. Come on, yield to what God's doing. Come on, the joy will come in the morning. Come on, God's mercies are new every single day. Lord, I just pray as we worship you, God, that your grace would be ministered 
to the people in the room today. Come on, let's worship together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your life.